0: There is no excuse. There is no rationalization. There's nothing. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host. Tonight, I'm going to talk about the case of Brooke Cruz, William Hohen, and Savannah LaFontaine Greywind. Savannah was very close with her family as well as being a member of the Spirit Lake Sioux Tribe. In 2017, she was 22 years old, still living with her parents and her brother. They all shared a basement apartment in Fargo, North Dakota. But she was super excited because life was just beginning. This was going to be her year. Not only has she just recently got a job as a nursing assistant, Her and her boyfriend, Ashton Matheny, were about to move out and get their own apartment. Savannah was pregnant, and they were going to be welcoming their first child in September. On Saturday, August 19th, 2017, Savannah was eight months pregnant. She was just home, relaxing, hanging out. Being eight months pregnant in August is probably not a good time for anybody, She was definitely feeling the swollen ankles, and she was just tired. She didn't really have much planned for the day. The only thing she knew she had to do was pick up her brother. 38-year-old Brooke Cruz came knocking at the door, and she asked Savannah for a favor. She lived in an upstairs apartment. She shared that with her boyfriend, William Hohen, who was 32. Brooke wanted to know if Savannah would be willing to model a dress that she had handmade. And she offered her 20 bucks. So Savannah agreed. I mean, not thinking much of it. Okay, I'm going to try on a dress and I'm going to make a little cash for the baby. She didn't really know the neighbors upstairs. It was more of a, you know, hey, how you doing? Small talk kind of stuff while you're passing through the hall. But Savannah was very kind and she was always willing to help. And I'm sure the money on the side was a bonus. At one twenty-four, Savannah sent text messages. She sent one to her mom, Naberta, and one to her boyfriend, Ashton. She just wanted to let them know that she was stepping out of the apartment and that she had just ordered a pizza. That was pretty much it. Unfortunately, by the time the pizza actually got to Savannah's apartment, she had to head upstairs because Brooke was expecting her. The pizza sat on the countertop waiting for her, but she never came back. Throughout the day, Niberta was texting Savannah quite a bit because when she sent her mom the text message stating that she was going to go upstairs, her mom replied, but there was no reply to that reply. And that was strange. Savannah was really good about this. She was quick with the thumbs, as they say. <laughs> oh, my God. Did I just sound like I was like 65? I promise you I'm not. Well, by four o'clock, Noberta is like, what the fuck? So she went up there and knocked on the door and was like, where's my daughter? When they answered the door, they told her that Savannah had left around 2.45 p.m. Now, her mom was a little skeptic of this because her daughter isn't going to just roam the streets. What do you mean she left at 2.45? Where is she going to go? She has a car. The car was still sitting in her parking spot. Her purse was still sitting in the apartment with her wallet, everything. And her mom knew that her feet had been swollen and they were painful. This really made Naberta feel some type of way because she didn't trust the people living upstairs. According to everybody in the building, there was constant fights. She also thought back to a couple of weeks ago before all this even happened. Brooke came to their apartment and asked Savannah if she wanted to smoke weed. This girl is eight months pregnant. No, she doesn't want to smoke any weed. So Savannah declined. With all this running through her mind, by 4.30, she went to police and reported her daughter missing. The Fargo police arrived at their apartment about 5 p.m. They talked with Naberta, she told them everything that she knew, and then they made their way upstairs to apartment number 5. This was Savannah's last known whereabouts. The police did not only search their apartment once, but twice on that August 19th, but a third time, August 20th. All the searches turned up nothing, William and Brooke started dating in 2014. They moved into the Fargo apartment building in May of 2016. The couple was definitely known in the building for their explosive fights. Some would state that their ceilings would actually shake because of them upstairs stomping around doing whatever it is that they're doing up there. And this wasn't long after they moved in. William even pled guilty to assault because he threw her in their bathtub. The court ordered him that he should have no contact, but six months later, police responded to a disturbance call, and there he was in the apartment. Both of them were no angels. They both had several run-ins with the law before they even met. By the time they met, Brooke had seven children. William had two. But neither of them had any contact with any of their children. Brooke had even been sued repeatedly for not paying child support. In one of these explosive fights that they would have back in January of 2017, Brooke told William that she was pregnant because he was threatening to leave her. And why women think this is going to fix a relationship, I will never know why. Please take my word for it, it does not. (laughs) Do not have children to save your relationship. It's never going to work. Don't do it. Well, William found out that she was lying, and he was enraged, and pretty much he told her, you better produce a baby or I'm leaving you. Naberta and Ashton have still not heard back from her, and this just isn't like her. She doesn't do this. Police are searching everywhere they can, but pretty much the only suspects they have are the neighbors. But they've searched the apartment three times. Nothing. When they question them, they're not really getting much. Yeah, she was here. She's not anymore. It was frustrating. Police decided, let's go to the roofing company where William works. While they were there questioning his fellow co-workers... They were told by multiple employees they just had a new baby at home. They're scratching their heads. New baby. We were just there. No crib, changing table, no diaper genie, no baby. This is the first time police started to get the grim reality of what probably happened in that apartment. Now that they have this evidence, they were able to get a warrant. And on August 24th, they searched their apartment again. This time was going to be a little different, though, because they were in luck. When they went to the apartment, not only was home, but also a healthy baby girl was lying on their bed. Police took a look at the baby and arrested her on the spot. Some officers went to Williams' work and arrested him there, too. On August 27, 2017, some kayakers were out on the Red River when they spotted a suspicious-looking object that kind of caught their eye that seemed to be caught on a log. And as soon as they got closer to it, their discovery was far more sinister than they could have ever imagined. Floating alongside their kayak was a tightly wrapped body in plastic and duct tape. The body belonged to Savannah. They performed a DNA test on the baby girl, and she was confirmed to be Savannah's and Ashton's. Police, rightfully so, gave the baby girl to Ashton. This is not by any means the way that he pictured bringing in his new daughter. You know he's so thankful that his baby was healthy, but there's a piece of her still missing. On December 11, 2017, Brooke pled guilty to all of her charges, to conspiracy to commit murder, conspiracy to commit kidnapping, and lying to the police. During her testimony, she was very tearful, and she was expressing very strong remorse for what she did. She wanted to apologize to Savannah's family for all the pain that she had caused. During her prepared statement, she stated, My actions devastated a family and shocked the community that I called home. There is no excuse. There is no rationalization. There's nothing. Brooke also revealed the horrific events that happened in that apartment that day. She told them under false pretenses, Savannah went to the apartment to model a dress. But the truth behind it was that almost the minute Savannah walked in that apartment, Brooke started a fight with her. Somehow they got into a bathroom, and that's where they were fighting. She said that she had pushed Savannah, which caused her to hit her head on the sink and she fell unconscious. She then went into the kitchen, got a knife, and proceeded to just randomly cut into Savannah's abdomen so she could pull the baby out. Savannah was still alive after all of this, but she was drifting in and out of consciousness. She was losing a lot of blood. William came home from work in the middle of cleanup duty. She was cleaning and she was holding a baby. She told him, this is our baby, this is our family. William asked her if Savannah was dead, and she told him, I don't know. Please, help me. So, what did he do? He went and got a rope, which then he tightened around her neck until she was no longer breathing. He told her, if she wasn't dead before, she is now. They then put her body in the bathroom closet while they finished cleaning the blood from the floor. I need someone to explain this to me because I'm just baffled. They are saying that the murder most likely occurred between 2 and 3 p.m. The police were already at their apartment at 5. Out of three searches, how did they miss blood evidence? I don't know, Savannah's body in a closet? Or a baby? How did they pull this off? Police even themselves said that this had to be one hell of a cleanup job. I don't know how you'd get the baby to be quiet. You cannot control a baby. A newborn? Uh, no. See, my mind wanders. Like, did you have food for the baby already? Like, you... I I got questions. On August 20th, after the police had came for the third time to search the apartment, that's when William decided they got to get the body out of there. So they took a dresser and they hollowed it out and they put Savannah's body in the dresser. On August 21st, at like the butt crack of dawn, they put the dresser in their Jeep and they drove to a bridge stating that they just threw the dresser over the side into the Red River. Brooke said on the stand that, yes, while William might have demanded a baby, he did not know of her plans to murder Savannah and to take her baby to be theirs. This was a total shock to him. On February 2nd, 2018, Brooke was sentenced to life in prison without the chance of parole. Thank God. On September 4th of 2018, it was William's turn. He did plead guilty to conspiracy to commit kidnapping and lying to the police. But they also charged him with conspiracy to commit murder, and he pled not guilty to that. Although he did get acquitted on the murder charges, he was still originally sentenced to life in prison. But that sentence would be overturned by the North Dakota Supreme Court. Per Inforum, during his October 18th sentence... Judge Tom Olson granted that the state could request to declare William a dangerous special offender. I guess this special title enhances your sentence, so it would have gone from 20 years to life. And this was based on a previous conviction from 2012. It was a case that involved a child who had suffered a serious head injury. On August 22nd, the North Dakota Supreme Court ruled that his status as a special offender was not appropriate and ordered that he be re-sentenced. The Supreme Court stated that in his past child abuse case, William injured a child by putting him down hard enough to cause skull fractures. But in the kidnapping case... He was only guilty of helping hide the baby and lying to law enforcement. That the underlying conduct of the two offenses is not similar. That was the Supreme Court ruling. I'm going to go with that's some bullshit. Have you ever put your child down that hard to where it fractures their head? You didn't place that child down. You threw the child down. I'm sorry. It's just all bullshit because this just goes to show you judge of character. He helped hide a body. He lied to police. He was going to raise this little girl like it was his. You injured another child by putting them down too hard? Is that a fucking thing? No. That's from abuse. On October 7th of 2019, he was re-sentenced to 20 years in prison. So that will be out walking around with us. Yippee. Another thing that I just don't understand with this case, they had nine children between them. Nine. You didn't have contact with any of them. So why is this child so important? It was to keep William. To rob a young mother of motherhood because you want a baby for the wrong reasons. Makes me sick to my stomach. Well, that healthy baby girl was named Hazley Joe. It was pre-picked by Savannah and Ashton before Savannah was murdered. They were just stunned how well this baby did under the circumstances. Hazley for sure is a miracle baby. The fact that she was able to survive being born before her time. She was only eight months pregnant. No Medical care right after being born. I'm pretty sure they had nothing prepared. As a result to Savannah's murder, as of september twenty first 2020, Savannah's Act has passed the u s House of Representatives, and on October 10th of 2020, Savannah's Act was signed into law by President Trump. Every year in the United States and Canada, Indigenous women experience violent assault, including sexual violence, at a much higher rate than any other racial group. In many parts of the country, Indigenous women are 10 times more likely to be murdered compared to the rest of the population. This bill aims to improve tribal access to the federal crime information databases and to be able to create standardized protocols for responding to cases of missing and murdered Native American women. On August 1st of 2019, they did a walk along the Red River, which was about 550 miles. This took over two weeks, but it was to bring awareness to the tragedy of missing and murdered Indigenous women. As of August 1st, 134 bodies of women had been found in the Red River. The walks are their extended ceremonies to pray for the water. Every step is taken in prayer and gratitude for water, our life-giving force. I had also watched an episode on Snapped, and I read a couple articles. This case is just tragic, absolutely tragic on all ends. Nobody wins here. This something that didn't need to happen. If you or yourself know of somebody that is going through things and they need someone to talk to, please head to CrimeOverCocktails.com. I have a page dedicated with phone numbers that can help you on all different spectrums. If it's substance abuse, is it domestic abuse, suicide prevention, the help is there for you. Please take advantage of it. You can also listen to the episodes on my website. You can check out merch, or if you want to help support the show, there are a few ways there for you. Make sure you are liking, following, and subscribing on all your platforms. Leave a five-star review on Podchaser, Spotify, or Apple. And I want to thank you guys again. I love you guys, and we'll talk crime another time. Bye.